Yeah, we can get ready for puja. Huh? So today is the 2nd of May, uh, 2019, Thursday class. We are having it at Brother Dio and Pamasri's house. So normally the other two, uh, one of them is Jeff, uh, to help light the candle and inside. Uh, give the lighter. Then tell me, tell me. Uh, uh, Ah, PG, yes, come. So the three of them, eh? help us to light the candle and incense. What about your father, Bertil? Oh, never mind, never mind. You can bring the candle to him. Eh? Bring the candle to him. Yeah, you can light anyone. Either candle or incense. Eh? Sadhu. Sadhu, Sadhu, ah, uh, PG, the incense. Bring the tray, huh? the song. Uh, you get the tray. Huh? Oh, yeah. Okay. Sadhu, 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 Sadhu. Sadhu, 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 Sadhu. Sadhu, 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 
Sadhu. Okay, you all can be seated. <coughs> don't, don't worry, go ahead, go ahead. It's okay. No, no problem. Yeah. Let us compose our mind. Yeah? Develop the faith, Sada, Virya. Then mindfully we shall commence the puja chanting. Namo Pensu Sutia Moni for Namo Pensu Sutia Moni for Namo Pensu Sutia Moni for Namo Kwan Sing Pusa Namo Kwan Sing Pusa Namo Kwan Sing Pusa Namo Milo for Namo Milo for Namo Milo for Namo for Pusa Namo for Pusa Namo for Pusa. Yeah, make the offering. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you can place your offering on the altar. Then we can rejoice. Sadhu, Sadhu, Sadhu. Sadhu, Sadhu, Sadhu. One more. Eh? Oh, no more. Okay. <laughs> okay, then let us uh, continue with our puja chanting. Eh? Now we will continue the Theroda tradition. Arahang Sama Sambuddho Bhagawa Bhutang Bhagavantang Abhiwatimi Swakato Bhagavata Dhammo Dhammang Namasami Supatipano Bhagavato Saokasanko Sanghang Namami Okay, you all can be seated and turn to page one of the chanting book. Eh? We will chant from the Vandana onwards. Namo Atasu Bhagavato Arahato Sama Sambuddhasu Namo Atasu Bhagavato Arahato Sama Sambuddhasu Namo Atasu Bhagavato Arahato Sama Sambuddhasu Buddhang saranang gachami, Dhammang saranang gachami, Sanghang saranang gachami, Dutiampi buddhang saranang gachami, Dutiampi dhammang saranang gachami, Dutiampi sanghang saranang gachami, Tatiampi Buddhang Saranang Gachami Tatiampi Dhammang Saranang Gachami Tatiampi Sanghang Saranang Gachami 
ปานาทิปาตาเวรมณีสิกขาพดังสมาธิยามิอาดีนาดานาเวรมณีสิกขาพดังสมาธิยามิกามิสุมิจาจาราเวรมณีสิกขาพดังสมาธิยามิโมสาวาดาเวรมณีสิกขาพดังสมาธิยามิสุราเมรายามาจาปามาตานะเวรมณีสิกขาพดังสมาธิยามินาวิโอชันตปฏิปาพุจจาออฟเฟิงออฟไลกันนะสารปฏิเทนะดิเปนะตามาดังสินะตีโลกาดิพังสัมบุตดังปุจายามิธามโนดังกันดาสัมบารายุเทนะดุปเปนะหังสุกังหินะปุจายเอปุจานิยังตังปุจาปัจานามุตมังวันนักันดาโกโนเปตังเอตังกสุมาสันทธินปุจายามิมุนินดาสสิริปาดาสารโรเหปุจเจมิบุตังกสุเมนานนาปุณเนามเตนาเจโหตุโมคังปุพังมลายาติยาตาอิดังเมกายโยตตายาติวินัสบาวังอาดิวาเซตุโนบันเทปานิยังปริกาพิทังอนุคัมปังอุปาดายาปฏิกันหาตุมุตมังอาดิวาเซตุโนบันเทปาเลปริกาพิทังอนุคัมปังอุปาดายาปฏิกันหาตุมุตมังอาดิวาเซตุโนบันเทโบจานังปริกาพิทังอนุคัมปังอุปาดายาปฏิกันหาตุมุตตมัง Now we shall chant the puja aspiration based on our understanding of the significance of all this puja offering. Significance of offering of light. May this offering of light to the Buddha brings forth the causes and conditions to illuminate our mind and help arise the needed clarity and understanding to dispel all darkness or ignorance therein. Significance of offering of water. May this offering of pure, clear, cool water lead us to the pure, clear dhamma that cools and doses of the fires of all defilements within our mind. Significance of offering of incense. May our morality, virtue, and understanding shine forth far and wide, just like the fragrance of this incense which we are offering to the blessed one. Who is perfect in wisdom and virtue? Significance of offering of fruits. May this offering of fruits remind us of the dana parami or generosity, 
and the fruit of all karma, so that we will diligently strive on with heedfulness to attain the path and fruition as soon as possible. Significance of offering of flowers. May this constant offering of flowers to the Blessed One strengthen our faith and constantly remind us of the impermanence of this body so that we will diligently and sincerely strive on to cultivate sila, samadhi, and panya, leading to ultimate liberation, the born-free nibbana, making of overall aspiration. By the power of these merits, born of this offering, may our spiritual faculties of sada, virya, sati, samadhi, and panya be further strengthened until they become balas or powers then sharing and transfer marriage to all beings. May this marriage be shared and transferred to all beings without exception, especially to those who have the condition and affinity to receive them. Sadhu, sadhu, sadhu. Okay, let us now pay homage to Triple Jam. Badang Pujayapi. Damang Pujemi Sanghang Pujemi Okay, you can be seated. Yeah? Just relax yourself. Huh? Body and mind completely relax. Feel yourself at ease huh? without any stress or strain. Huh? Then tonight we have a special guest. Huh? <laughs> I think some of you may know the rest may not know. So this is our guest of honor today, Jeff Oliver. We are very honored indeed to have him here with us. She, he also heard about me many years. I also heard about him many years, but we never met. I only saw the photo. <laughs> anyway, it's good affinity and condition. It so happened, according to Jeff, he is free tonight. So all these need condition for it to happen. So before we start our meditation, I would like to maybe go through what we have done last week so that you all can have a better understanding of how the meditation is to be developed. You look at the whiteboard. I think it's March, March the 3rd, is it? Or oh, seven, yes. <laughs> March the seventh. Huh? So this one is almost two months ago. Huh? Now it's May. <laughs> so what is important is the four support for meditation are highlighted above. Okay. The first is to relax. Relaxation is number one. If you cannot relax, you are very tense. You are holding on to things. Your mind is not free. Yeah. So relax into every mind state that arises, even if energy build up or whatever. Just relax. Don't do anything. You are at ease. I think this one you understand. Yeah? Then number two, the second support is after you are relaxed, you should maintain awareness. But this awareness is not like what people do. You don't go and look for it. You don't go and try to be aware. 
the moment you are without thought, uh, you look here, the note is here, I mark it as a star. The moment you are without thought, you are already aware. Don't try to be aware. Relax, silent. So here, I add something for you all. Here, the second support, aware means, or silent your mind without thought. You're already aware. Don't try to be aware. Don't try to be mindful. That is the thought trying to be mindful, and you can never get it. When the thought is active, you are never aware. You are never mindful. So this is very important. Then the third support is supposed to be 24 hours, which very few people can do. You're supposed to maintain the continuity of mindfulness, but not in a conditioned state of concentration, but in a free mind state of collectedness and unwavering mind. Means continuous aware. That's it. Without thought. But to live life, sometimes you need to arise a thought. You need to use it. So, no problem. Use it. But as long as you are aware from within, everything will be okay. Then the last one is towards the end. When you can realize your true mind, your silent mind, your true nature, you don't go and allow the thought to interfere anymore. You just trust your nature to do the meditation. That trust will do by itself. There is no external interference from the thought. The thought that tries to do things is not the true mind. It's not the awareness. That is the mundane mind. So if you look here, what is thought? Thought equals mundane mind or thinking mind. When you start to think, your mundane mind is active. And this is what thought is all about. Then you have your views, opinion, and conditioning. And this is the one that causes you to react, cause your mind to stir, your like and dislike, giving rise to mental hindrance or sensual desire and ill will. And these five mental hindrance, they are very powerful. When you lack the spiritual faculty, the opposite five mental hindrance will arise. And why are they termed hindrance? Because the Buddha said, they are mental states that hinders your mind from entering the meditative state of inner peace, inner awareness, and inner mindfulness. That's why you cannot be in that state, because the mental hindrance are there. So when sensual desire and ill will arise, means you stir your mind, you react, you have like and dislike, pleasant and unpleasant experience. Your mind is preoccupied with that sensual thing, whether it's positive or negative. And these two, they are very active in the daily life. And living beings, because they didn't have the awareness to see this, and they cannot understand where they lack the spiritual faculty. So this mental, uh, what they call mental hindrance or sensual desire, you will become so powerful. Then it becomes habits. That's how you develop habitual tendency to react to sense experience. Everything that you see, you hear, you smell, you taste, you tactile, you feel and think, your mind tends to stir. That's why you will not have any moment of peace. You cannot be in the state of silent awareness where your thought is active. And the other mental hindrances are the same, especially restlessness of mind, sloth and torpor, lethargic mind. 
than when you have doubt, you lack confidence, you don't understand. So this mental hindrance that hinders your mind from entering the meditative state or inner peace, inner awareness and inner mindfulness is very, very dangerous. Unless you have a spiritual faculty, you cannot overcome them. That's why many people find it very difficult to meditate. The moment they see it, the thought starts to think. Because that thinking is a habitual tendency. And this is what the Buddha called heedlessness of mind. When you are heedless, you cannot meditate. But when you silence your mind and develop the ability to be aware, you will start to understand that all these mundane mind, thinking, mental states, they are all dependent originating, condition arising phenomena. They are not intrinsic within your nature. They are the byproduct of your true nature. Where we have the senses, we have the brain, the accumulation of experiences, the conditioning, the belief system, the views, the opinion. And all this is the one that stirs your mind. That's why you can't meditate. So to meditate, like what I have taught you all, you must develop the spiritual faculty through the puja, through understanding who the Buddha is. He is not only enlightened, he is fully enlightened. And he has perfect wisdom and virtue. So you can say, the Buddha is the wisest and the most virtuous living being ever to be born. And to have him as your guide and teacher, your faith will be very strong. That's why your sadha leading to virya. Then when your sadha and virya is there, you just relax and silence your mind. Then everything will fall into place. Other people who don't have that spiritual faculty, they got no choice. Where this mind has become heedless due to the mental hindrance. So what do they do? They use method and technique to fix the mind, to anchor the mind. And they don't know what that is. Thinking that this method and technique are meditation. That's where a lot of people go wrong. Then most of these people who do this, they tend to focus and concentrate. Even in Anapanasati, the Buddha say mindful. Mindful. Mindful of the in and out breath. He never say focus on the breath. So all this needs to be understood. Okay? Then this last part is also very important. The Mandarin word is means the moment you are without thought, your true mind actually is there. But you have to realize it in your meditation. You cannot realize that silent mind, that true mind. You cannot meditate. Your meditation will all be thought-based. Okay? Then, Tong Nian Ji Wu Ming. See, the Mahayana tradition teaching is very powerful. Tong Nian is when you are heedless, when your thought arises, that is ignorant. That's why the Buddha and the Paticca Samopada, the first tooling is the same. Avijja Pachya Sankara. That's why when your Sankara activity moves, means you have Avijja. That's why the Mahayana teaching is very powerful. So with this, yeah, as a revision, we will have our half an hour of silent meditation. Yeah? We are off the light. Then you just relax, maintain awareness. But for those who don't have the spiritual faculty, 
Your spiritual faculty are special mind state that can allow you to understand spiritual teaching. So you need the sadha, virya, sati, samadhi, and panya. If you don't have that, you need to train your mind to be aware. Do it. You can use whatever method or technique or skillful means to do it. You do it. Then for those who want to decondition the heedless thinking, you can also use the mind-sweeping method combined with metta or loving-kindness. Then finally, stabilize the awareness to anapanasati. Just maintain mindfulness. You develop the anapanasati until the mind is very, very quiet, very still, and very subtle. Until the mind enters sati. When the mind enters sati, you will realize paucity. Mm. So, I will stop the sharing. Then I will set the alarm. 30 minutes from now, the alarm will trigger off. Then I will ring the bell. Then when you hear the bell, slowly, mindfully, come out of the meditation. Okay.
slowly, mind body, come out of meditation. For those who still want to meditate, you can continue. For those who are not slowly, mind body, come out of the meditation. Try to maintain whatever inner peace, inner calmness, and inner awareness that you have developed for as long as you can. These are the mind state that is in city, in stillness and silence that you need to carry forward into your daily life. If your mind cannot enter city to realize the tranquility of mind or stillness of mind, which is positive, the enlightenment factor of positive, you cannot develop your daily mindfulness. Mindfulness is not easy to sustain unless the mind enters deep. When the mind enters deep, it will happen in a very unique way. When you are so quiet, so still, without thought, for a period of time, in a free mind state, not a conditioned state, your mind is collected, unwavering, without thought, naturally, not through concentration, or one-pointedness, or absorption. That free mind that is in the silent state is the still, tranquil mind. That is your true mind, your true nature. And when that one stabilizes, your mind actually develops the more refined sati. The stability of that very fine city. Then when your mind enters that refined city, it is mindful all the time. Whatever movement within your bodily activity is like magnified. And any slightest movement is like magnified. Then when you come out of the meditation, it's like your body and mind move as one, the awareness. Yeah. Unless you can develop that, it's not easy to develop the daily mindfulness. Because if you are active in life, your senses are all active. When your senses are active, for you to develop mindfulness, you don't stand a chance unless you have developed the daily mindfulness to a very stable state and as per Satipatthana Sutta Kayanupasana the Buddha recommend Anapanasati to develop the mindfulness then stabilize it when you are able to stabilize it until that positive tranquility of mind or stillness of mind can be realized then only you go for the daily mindfulness starting with the four posture then the third category of practice is the connecting movement between the four postures, which will include sati sambhajana. Not only mindful, but with clear comprehension of all action or movement in the present moment, in the midst of life. That is the real cultivation, the ultimate. Yeah. Okay, now we turn to page six. We were do the invocation to the devas, then after that we will have our second session.
invocation to the devas. In this universe, in the entirety, let the deities come here. Let them hear the good doctrine or teaching of the King of Sages, which gives heaven and release Dibbana. This is the time to listen to the teaching. This is the time to listen to the teaching. This is the time to listen to the teaching. Samantha Chakawalesu Atragachan to Devata Saddamang Muni Rajasa Sunantu Sakamokadang Dhammasvanan kalo ayang padanta Dhammasvanan kalo ayang padanta Dhammasvanan kalo ayang padanta Namo atasa bhagavato arahato sama sambuddhasa Namo atasa bhagavato arahato sama sambuddhasa Namo atasa bhagavato arahato sama sambuddhasa Iti peso bhagava arahang sama sambuddho Vijacarana sampano sugato kavidu Anotaro puresadamsarati Satta deva manusanang buddho bhagavati Suakato Bhagavata Dhammo Sanditiko Akaliko Ehipaseko Opanaiko Pachyatang Veditabdo Vinohiti Supatipano Bhagavato Savakasango Ujupatipano Bhagavato Savakasango Nyayapatipano Bhagavato Savakasango Samichipatipano Bhagavato Sāvaka-sāṅgo Yadidāṁ chatari purisa-yokāni Āta purisa-pugala Esa bhagavato sāvaka-sāṅgo Āhuneyo pāhuneyo dākeneyo Jalikaraniyo anotarang punyaketang lokasati Sadu, sadu, 
Sadhu, then you can pay respect to Triple Chairman. But Lang Pujemi, Tamang Pujemi, Sanghang Pujemi. Okay, you all can be seated. Then just relax body and mind. Maintain some form of attentiveness. Then we will go to the second session. Second session is meditation reporting. Huh? Followed by whatever question and answer that you may want to ask. Your question can be whatever that is related to the meditation or the Dhamma, then you can also ask whatever that you want to understand to apply what you have learned here, the Buddha Dharma, to help you solve whatever life problem that you may be encountering. So all these other relevant questions, then we can discuss it. Okay. The mic is there. Anybody who wants to report meditation or ask any question, just raise your hand. Anybody? Don't be shy. Pass the mic to Angie. Oh, somebody is here. Good evening, Brother Tio yeah. and all Kalanimitas. Yeah, Jeff. Jeff. Jeff, uh, Jeff Oliver. Yeah. Our um, uh. spiritual trip to China. Ah, yeah, yeah. the Kuiyang trip. Kui we Yang just trip. came back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we had an eight-day spiritual trip to China, huh? Kuiyang, where we went to the way place of Sakyamuni Buddha and Maitreya Buddha, uh, the Fanjing San, that mountain. It's very, very unique, very beautiful. The nature, the energy, everything is so beautiful, so conducive. <laughs> yeah, is there anything you want to yeah. share? Um, has um, yeah. shown that, uh, you know, bring yeah. out the, uh, some understanding yeah, about, yeah. Uh, uh, you know, the, the mind and body. Because, you know, we have to walk so much oh, and yeah. a lot of hiking. <laughs> yeah. So there's a, it's, yeah, it has been yeah. quite taxing to, yeah, yeah, to yeah. the body, you know. Yes, yes. And yeah. uh, so uh, I, I, I can see that many of yeah. us uh, try to strengthen our, you know, yeah, our, our mind state. Your faith are be, strong. That's yeah. why a lot of you don't feel that you are tired. When we were at the Fanjing Sun, uh, despite the vertical climb and the very long hour of climb, then even after that, after we come down, we went and have lunch at the temple. Remember, after we had the lunch, the monk invited us in to have a session with them. Then they allow us to use that Ta Xiong Bao Tian, their main hall. Uh, Normally that one is for them to do their ceremony, chanting and all those things. They seldom let people meditate there. But I don't know why they let us meditate there. The monk was so kind. Uh, 
when, when we when meditate there, that nature's energy there and the place was so conducive. And the monk knew, you know, oh, you all said very well. <laughs> there a lot of things actually happened because the condition there was so beautiful. Then the monk also felt furious. You know. Normally after that climb, uh, you come down, uh, you are so tired. Uh, you will be sleepy, uh, I tell you. But none of us were sleepy. You know. He just sat. <laughs> and the monk knew. He said, for you all to do that, you all must have your training and all those things. That's why it's different. So a lot of these things you will come to understand. There are a lot of Kayama Mita came and tell me, but we are, we are not tired at all. You see, the energy was so strong. Then while on the bus, you remember the tour guide from China, that lady, he said, within 10 minutes, all of you will fall asleep. But none of us fall asleep. <laughs> And even after we reach the hotel, have our dinner, after our bar, we gather in my room for a sharing. And when we were in the room doing the sharing, you remember? The energy was so strong that night. None of you were sleeping. Wide awake. And a few of them came and tell me, at night cannot sleep. Too much energy inside there. But it's not the energy, it's your faith. Because when you have faith, sadha, that spiritual faculty is very powerful. It can bring about condition, causes and condition, for you to absorb the Dhamma, absorb that type of nature's energy. And also the collective consciousness of all the cultivators, together with the monks and the non-human, the Dhamma protectors and all those beings there. Their nature, their energy are very different, very strong. And because of that, we also have Maitreya and Sakyamuni, Buddha's nature. Their nature are also there. That's why this great place is very unique. When we were there on the first night, remember that hotel we stayed? They say it's heavenly rhyme. Not only the word that describe, you know, but when they were there, they felt the stillness, the silence, the nature's pristine stillness, beauty. And it was middle of the night, after our sharing, the rain and the thunder, they were pouring and so loud. Uh, a lot of things actually happened. Uh, there is a lot of joy. Yeah. So this will happen when you have faith, when you are on spiritual trip, and when you have the understanding, you know how to silence your mind, relax, and you will draw all this energy, and it will help you in your cultivation. Yeah, these are, most of the time, wisdom energy that can bring about understanding. And it's very conducive for our nature, to draw it and become silent and still. Uh, but you must develop the cultivation. If you don't have the ability to realize that silent mind, your true mind, your true nature, you cannot draw, you cannot do all this. Yeah. That's why daily mindfulness is very important. Without the daily mindfulness, there is no way. Did you off the thing? Yeah. Just off the thing, yeah. yeah there is a slight distortion. Yeah in the recorder. 
So these are the things that will remind us of the teaching. That's like the Buddha said, the five spiritual faculty. Why are they called spiritual faculty? Sada, virya, sati, samadhi, and panya. They are called spiritual faculty is because these are special mind state that cultivate a need to understand spiritual teaching. And the first of the five spiritual faculty is sada. When you have faith in the Buddha and his teaching, when you understand the beauty of his teaching and how wise and virtuous a being he is, he is not only enlightened, he is fully enlightened, perfect in all aspects of wisdom and virtue. So your faith in him is unshakable. That's why your mind becomes very different. There is no more doubt. And this faith will drive you to cultivate where you come to know the Buddha is such a unique being. After his perfection of the ten perfection and the training, he is able to come out with a teaching which is so beautiful. The essence of his teaching is the Four Noble Truth, which is like the secret of life, both the mundane and the supramundane. Once you understand this teaching, the Four Noble Truth, you penetrate and realize it, you will understand life clearly. You will experience both the conditioned and the unconditioned, means the mundane and the supramundane state of mind. That's why Sada is very important. Then when you know this is so important to our life, to living being, we will go all out to cultivate this teaching without any doubt. That's why your virya will drive you. And when your virya and faith is very strong, it becomes power, balance. That's why in our puja chanting, the aspiration, we aspire for this spiritual faculty to become balas, powers, unshakable. Means this spiritual faculty will be with you all the time and it's very stable. Unless you can do that, your daily mindfulness leading to heedfulness is near to impossible. Your heedfulness is as defined by Dhammapada verse. 23 in the Abhamada Vahaga, the Buddha say, the constantly meditative, ever mindful, and steadfast one, they will realize the supreme enlightenment, Nibbana. And what is constantly meditative and ever mindful? And you held on to these two practices steadfastly. This is what heedfulness is all about. When you are heedful, you are ever mindful, and you are constantly in a meditative state. You are that mind that is silent and just aware, can awaken, can realize nature's truth. All of the phenomenal world within nature, you can awaken to, because your mind, that nature is different, without thought, it will insight into phenomena. You will realize the universal characteristics. It's just like what I used to share with you all. Eh? Truth is everywhere in the midst of life and nature. Why can't you see? For those who see, they always see. And what is true? These are universal characteristics, the Buddha said. They explain the reality. And the most powerful of these two are the three universal characteristics of impermanent, 
if you attach and cling, not understanding the nature's law, wanting things your way, suffering will arise. And there is a universal characteristic. That's why you need to understand nature's law. You need to understand the essential term. You need to have the understanding to liberate your mind. Then because it's impermanent, it's not a permanent unchanging entity that you can hold on to, cling on to, crops on to and say, this is me, this is I. Therefore, all this can be mine. That is self-delusion, psychiatry. So when you have that silent mind, you will see all these universal characteristics in the midst of life and nature. Every moment, every instant, they are so clear. Everything moves in such a manner, especially the mind, Sankara, very fast. But the stillness, the silence, that nature that is aware of all this is completely different. This one is not a conditioned arising entity. This one is the eternal nature, the oneness nature, the awareness, the pure nature. Only that one can awaken, not the thought. The thought can never awaken. Okay? So this is the part you will learn. Then after you have Sadhaviriya, you will go all out and cultivate this mindfulness until it becomes very stable. You can start with Anapanasati, then you can do walking. Then you can go into the bowing, the four posture, everything. Then you connect them up until you are throughout the day. Whatever you do, whatever activity, is one with the kaya. That's why it starts with kaya nupasana. Then when your kaya nupasana becomes very stable, that silent mind becomes so different. It can see a lot of things that you never see before. Yeah, when you are in the state of continuity of mindfulness with a free mind, this mind is bright, radiant, and just aware. It's a free mind. And this one can be aware of your subtle, internal, mental states, mental reaction, mental movement, all the subtle greed, subtle fear, subtle anxiety subtle mental states that living beings every time react to when they live life, you not only can see them, you are so sensitive. The moment is there, the awareness is so sensitive and so clear. That's why you can't, like ordinary human being, be angry, be emotional. Be, then you can feel the stress, that negativity of mind state that condition your affliction, your suffering, your misery. That's why the mind that is very aware, very mindful, very sensitive, can never fall back and have problems. And there is power of mindfulness. So when you start to have that ability, you become a transformed living being. You not only see the Dhamma as words, or concept. You are aware of this mental state, this essential Dhamma within your own form and mind. And there is no word to describe all this. It's just aware. That's why through awareness, through sati, mindfulness, all this can be understood and awakened to. 
So the spiritual faculty that I want you to understand is they are very powerful. From Sadda, Virya, then it drives you to cultivate until that Sati arises. When that Sati arises, when you are able to do it in the midst of life, the daily mindfulness, only the real vipassana or meditation begins. Because Dhamma is life itself. Meditation is life itself. It's only in life, in relationship, we can see ourselves as a mirror to reflect how the mundane mind creates all those delusions, stir the mind, and make it have the evil roots of greed, hatred, and delusion. And these are the evil roots that make the living being evil. That's why mundane mind has this self-delusion that can bring about all this movement and stirring. Whereas the true mind that sees and understands all this is different. It understands and it will never be deceived by it. And that is how the mind is to be realized. Then when you stabilize that sati until it's so stable, it will accumulate into samadhi. Samadhi initially is before the direct seeing, the wisdom arises. This samadhi is just a collectedness and unwavering mind. Means this mind has become so stable in its deed. At the moment of seeing, sense experience, hearing, smell, taste, tactile, or thought process, the mind is not stirred. Means it's collected and unwavering. That's why you can see things as they are. Not according to what your brain, your memory, your conditioned mind tell you. That one is all delusion. Seeing things as they are, like what the Buddha explained, is to see truth, to see reality, to see beyond the words, the concept. To see things as it is, not what your mind tell you, your mundane mind tell you. But that one is all memory, knowledge, dhamma. They are not the truth. But the one that awakened to all this movement, that one trigger off the understanding. And this understanding is beyond thought, beyond mind, beyond word. And this is the one that gives rise to the wisdom that is connected to this form and mind. Then this form and mind, like you can say, awakened. But it's not you. This one is impermanent. Dependent, originating, condition arising, also phenomena. They are not real. The form and mind is chemically conditioned for us to come to this world, to live life. So when sati and samadhi is developed and very stable, then you can see things as they are and awaken. That's how the last spiritual faculty of panya come to be. And when the five spiritual faculty are there, the mental hindrances to be. That's why you are always in a meditative state while living life, while moving around, while doing whatever you want to do. Where you have that clarity, that understanding, and that nature is different. It will shine for. There is no more effort to do. There is no more the mundane mind trying to do things. The mundane mind become like your servant. It serves you. You use it. It's just like our thought. 
you have a physical body, we have a consciousness, the form and mind. And this Monday mind is supposed to be like a tool for you to come to this universe, for you to use. It serves you. But for deluded living being, it's the other way around. It conditions you into suffering and misery. Through delusion, you think the wrong thought. And what are wrong thoughts? Thought that has the evil roots of greed, hatred, and delusion. And these are evil roots. Root of all evil. Make you evil. As I, I define wrong thought for you so that you can understand easily. Thought that condition your suffering, your misery, your fear, your worry, your anxiety, your sorrow and your lamentation, your insecurity, your remorse, your unhappiness, your deep resentment, envy and jealousy. All these are wrong thoughts. And they bring about suffering, affliction. That's why Noble Eightfold Power is about right view leading to right thought. Otherwise you suffer. So what is wrong thought? Wrong thought means the living being is so deluded. Instead of using that mundane mind as a tool to help you live life like a knife, help you cut fruits, vegetables, shifting. You use that knife to cut yourself, harm yourself, hurt yourself and hit out at others. That is self-delusion, the wrong way of using that tool. Precisely, living beings are so deluded. They arise the wrong thought to harm themselves, hurt themselves, and hit out at others. And that is what suffering is all about. Affliction is all about. So why do you think the wrong thought when you know it's afflicting you, causing you so much suffering and misery? And wrong thought are the thought with the evil roots of greed, hatred, and delusion. When you see all this very clearly, you will never allow yourself to arise the wrong thought anymore. Because haven't you suffered enough? Those in depression will understand. And very fast they come out of it. Because they went through life. They saw all these things happening. But earlier on, nobody taught them this dumb. That's why I always ask people, why are you not peaceful? Why are you not happy? You know what they will tell me? Brother life is suffering, not easy. <laughs> but then I say, did you question yourself? Did you inquire deep into life? Who are you? What are you? Every living being, when they come to this world, they hold the key to their own life destiny. Isn't it? To be happy or to be unhappy is entirely your choice. True or not? If you choose to be happy, how can you be miserable and not happy? They cannot understand. You know what they tell me? Still, so much problem now, how to be happy? Logical, yeah. So much problem. How to be happy? He said, health problem, financial problem, relationship problem, and career problem. And there are so many things in life that can make them fearful, miserable, afflicted. 
I say, yes. These are the reality of life and existence. The Buddha said the eighth reality under first noble truth. Birth always sickness and death. When you are with people whom you don't like, when you cannot get what you want, when there is separation from prized possession and loved one. Then the final summary, in short, the Buddha said, if you deludedly grasp and cling onto the fire aggregate of form and mind, suffering arises. And this is what the Dhamma is all about. So you should reflect and contemplate into all these eight conditions. Then you realize these are the reality of life and existence. Not only you are subject to OA sickness and death, not only you are subject to all this affliction, all of humanity who don't have wisdom, don't have this Dhamma, also face the same. So you are not alone. Then what is the difference between somebody who can free the mind, not afflicted by this, compared to somebody who is always afflicted and say, what can I do? The difference is they are mindful, they are aware. They have this wisdom, this understanding. They are not deceived, they are not deluded by the phenomenal world. That's why they can live. They know how to use their thought. They will not be deceived by it. They will not be deluded by it. So the example that I give them is the best. I say like this glass of water. Let's say it's very hot, boiling hot. What happens when you hold it? Eh? What happens? It's going to burn you and torment you. Eh? Then why you keep on holding it and let it torment you and burn you? Because you say, this is my problem. Eh? I haven't solved it. Eh? I must solve it. Eh? But solving it with wisdom and with delusion is two different things. By holding on to it, you are being tormented and burned by it. What is the natural thing to do? You don't need wisdom. If it's burning hot, you will naturally put it down in there. You will not hold on to it anymore in there. Then when it's not burning you and not tormenting you, what happened to you? You are at peace in there. There is no more burning you, tormenting you. Then you have clarity of mind. Then you can look into life. What actually happened? Why did I react? Project my thought, the wrong thought, to intensify my fear, my worry, my anxiety, leading to all the sorrow, lamentation, and affliction, especially disease, sickness, terminal disease, like cancer and all those things. The moment the biosis result come up, I tell you, that patient can be really miserable. Uh, even before the result come out, they already have fear, intense fear, worry, anxiety, and all these are wrong thoughts. Fear, worry, anxiety will not solve your problem. It will intensify your negative fear and energy. And this will create condition for negative karma from the past to arise and afflict you more and more. That's why you cannot free. To free is to understand through right view that these are nature's condition. Part of the first noble truth reality. Reality of life. Everybody has to go through always sickness and death. That's why the five daily contemplation. This body of ours is of the nature to grow old, get sick and die. For it's 
beyond OA sickness and death. It goes the way of nature. It's not within your control. That's why it's anatta. It's never you. And all this is in the teaching. But how many people really reflect and develop the clear understanding? So when you have this understanding, if it's a reality, I have to accept that reality. So when I accept that reality, I no longer project my thought. I will not have fear, worry, anxiety. Then with a clear mind, I ask myself, what can I do? How can I resolve this amicably so that I can go through life? So that I can really move on in life? So that I will not have any problem at all? Because the moment I accept my mind free, it doesn't project, create all the agitation, the fear, and all those things. When there is no more movement, your mind becomes the true mind. And what is true mind? True mind is without thought. Without thought, you will not have fear, not have worry, anxiety, sorrow, and lamentation. That is all created by thought, through movement. We are wrong thought. Born of self-delusion, sakayadity and avijja. Without avijja, without sakayadity, the thought cannot move, cannot stir, cannot project. And this is what the teaching is all about. So when we understand, then we have this clear mind, we will inquire, okay, so now what are my options? How can I resolve this amicably? And our body is very intelligent. All these disease or signs that come out is the body's way through its intelligence to tell you that you have not been living your life properly. Like when we climb all this, what they call Fanjing San, the mountain, the spiritual tree. Because luckily we have the faith, that's why we can endure and we can do it. But the sign that comes from the body is what? After the trip, fatigue, you start to develop the cough, the sickness, and all those things. Do you realize that? That's why when I was there, the first six days was beautiful. But the last two days, what did I tell you? My body shows sign. I need to rest. Because it will tell you. Either you rest, or your body will suffer. Of course, the mind will never suffer. It's just like the Buddha, his case. Why did he pass away so early, 80 years old? Because he has not enough rest. Out of love and compassion for the living being, he continued to use his physical body. That's why you need to have all this understanding. So, understanding the form and mind, understanding nature, understanding the Dhamma helps. Then we can look at life in a different perspective, with understanding, with wisdom. The body is the body. We need to take care too, but we must not attach. We must not cling. We must know how to use it. Because it's like a vehicle and a tool for us to come to this existential world to live life. So use it. Use it with wisdom, understanding. Do not abuse it. Then when you understand, you ask yourself, okay, health problem. Cancer, let's say. The doctor tells you fourth stage, fifth stage. You've got two choices. One, lament, worry, become miserable. 
and be more and more afflicted. The second choice is accept the reality and ask yourself, how can I seek a cure? How can I move on? If I need a second opinion, I go for second opinion. If I need help, assistance, I see people who have gone through life and developed the ability to recover. That's why you can try all the other type of what they call medical prescription. Or sometimes it's non-traditional too. And sometimes it can be very simple. It depends on your karma. If you have the good karma, the good condition, you will meet people who can help you recover and need not spend so much money. It's the way you live your life, your lifestyle, your diet, the way you live your life. When you change all this, but this is the body's way of telling you you have been abusing your body, your cells all turn cancerous. You got so much stress, worry, anxiety. That's why your cells mutate. These are negative energy fields. That's why you must meditate, have loving kindness, metta. Uh, then develop the calmness, the stillness, the tranquility, the positive energy within you. Then develop joy, wisdom, pity. Uh, then like Jeff, teach people, seek forgiveness. These are good mind states, understand? Huh? Do you know when you seek forgiveness, what happens? When you give some, forgive somebody, you think you forgive them. When you forgive somebody, you actually free yourself. Do you understand? Forgive means what? I don't hate that person anymore. I don't dislike that person anymore. I don't no longer have any envy and jealousy towards that being. That's why I forgive. When I forgive, I free myself. Why? Because the evil roots that condition me to dislike them, to hate them, has been rooted out. This I forgiveness is very powerful when you understand. Yeah, it comes about through the evil roots that make you evil. That's why anger, hatred, jealousy, envy, remorse, all these are negative thoughts, wrong thoughts, negative mind state that will make you evil and condition your misery, suffering. And this is the wrong way to use thought. That's why the right view leading to right thought is very important. The four right effort, very important. First right effort to abandon the wrong thought, unwholesome thought that has a reason. Then second right effort to prevent it from arising. Then the third right effort is to cultivate the right thought, right speech, right action that are still not in you. These are the cultivation you need to do. Then the fourth right effort is not only refine upon them, you have to actually perfect them. And these are the things that make your mind state beautiful. Aside from the four right effort, you will have the good mind states. Then you will be able to follow the advice of the Buddha to avoid all evil through mindfulness. Mindful of the evil roots, what constitutes evil. You have to go deep into the three evil roots of greed, hatred, and delusion. These three are not just words. Their meaning are very deep. 
just greed alone is not just greediness, selfishness. It's all your, what they call covetousness, craving, desire. And whatever that has selfish intention is part of greed. That's why greed, the evil root, is very powerful. Your subtle craving, subtle delusion, they are all part of greed. Your slight desire, or when you like something, that is part of greed. That's why sensual desire is part of greed. Actually, sensual desire and ill will, the first two mental hindrances, they are part of the evil roots of greed and hatred. Except that they are more gross in their form. But when you go into the meditative state with mindfulness, when you do citta nupasana, mindfulness of mind states, you will see the subtle greed, the subtle fear, insecurity, delusion, and all those things. Very subtle one. And you will know how all this conditioning went into your memory, how you accumulate them into your memory. And that is what daily mindfulness is all about. Where you cannot see yourself in light. You cannot understand what is happening to you. Then how can you understand the world? How can you understand others? It's only when you understand yourself that you can understand others and the world. That's why self-knowledge is very important. And the whole cultivation is to understand who you are, what you are as a form and mind. How your form and mind through delusions still react and create all your unnecessary affliction and misery and suffering. So this is the Dhamma part that you need to see, see clearly. And the whole cultivation actually centers around this few things. Then when you understand, only you develop the cultivation, it saves you a lot of time. Otherwise, you will be doing a lot of practice or so-called meditation without understanding. People tell you method, technique, you gallantly grab onto it, hold onto it, and go and do. But you don't understand what you are doing in the name of meditation. That's why when people do that, they become gullible. They find it very difficult to progress. Especially many cultivators, they used to tell me, say, Brother you are right. After going in and out of retreat for so long, I realized one truth. When I back to my daily life, I really, technically, I haven't really changed. They were, no. Because they still have that evil root within their mind state. That's why it's very difficult. And they realize, they say, I still have fear. I still have greed. I still have aversion, dislike, and all those things. And this mind state, if you are aware, you cannot lie. <laughs> Why? Because the Buddha's teaching is about wisdom. Only wisdom free. Not concentration. Not suppression. Not all the conditioned state of mind. That one can only temporarily suppress your defilement, your mental hindrance, the evil roots. Like the Buddha's analogy, a glass of water. 
when you leave it, you don't stir it, what happens? All the dust will settle, right? or the sediment will settle. Then, like clear, like your mind is clear, like you enlightened. But you have not rooted out the sediment, the evil, the delusion. That's why when there is condition from sense experience, it was stir again. You are back to square one. Because the real liberation comes through Panya Vimuti. Wisdom leading to liberation, nothing else. Yeah. So this part is maybe got condition yeah, for tonight's sharing. Then regarding your question, I think you haven't come to your main question. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> Well, I mean, uh, most of us, like for myself, you know, I, I um, observe, I have like self-observation that um, to practice a court and flow and um, that uh, we cannot, um, we, we don't have a choice in, in the, your own um, comfort, you know. You have to get up early in the morning, yeah. you know. And the schedule, huh? yeah, you have the to schedule. follow the schedule. Yeah, and yeah. be very punctual, yeah. you know, yeah. so that everybody are yeah, on yeah. time. Which and, was a very yeah. good thing. Everybody was so cooperative. That's why I thank you all so, for your kind cooperation. So now you understand, huh? It demands the understanding of the collective consciousness of all who are there. Otherwise, there will be conflict. There will be problem. But why is there harmony? Because we all can come together through understanding. And when we are there, we have the faith. We have the Dhamma. We can sacrifice. We can help each other. And it can bring about this beautiful mind state. Uh, where nobody is really complaining. Uh, in that sense, yeah. because they know we are on a spiritual trip. We have two choices, again two choices. You want to make your trip miserable? Get angry, react, become unhappy. And when you are unhappy, your negativity will actually affect others. Yeah. Then if it's the crowd, or what they call the crowd instinct, it will condition others to get angry also. But for us, we were very, very fortunate because the food were beautiful, <laughs> were good. And the scenery, the sightseeing, and the way place, all they were very beautiful. Yeah. And it was a very, very hectic, but beautiful spiritual trip. Yeah. We had so much joy, especially the first three, four days, where it's really spiritual. We had the last, Four or five days, mainly tour, tour, and there was a lot of walking. <laughs> uh. Okay, you continue. Yeah, yeah. <coughs> it strengthened our um, fada. Yeah, your fada, your so, faith, and yeah, your virya. Uh, that one helps one you a lot. There's a lot of you uh, when you are still there. I remember Padmasuriya in the plane, uh, still very active. Oh, even the last day, what you can. This one and that one. Huh? Then the moment he reached home, uh, Tuesday class, uh, Brother Tim called me, text me, and said, Brother Tim, I don't think Padmasuri can come because not feeling well. 
That's why after that trip only, uh, the Sadhaviriya gone. Uh, then you start to see the body showing you sign. Because when you endure through faith, it's very beautiful. But the moment you reach home, you, you will, you will like collapse flat. That's why PG share the same things. One Kayamita call, hey, how is the trip? Uh? I can only use one word to describe it. I'm now very exhausted, <laughs> so straight away, flat. <laughs> but when he was, she was there, it was beautiful, yeah, beautiful. So your sadhaviriya, not only as a spiritual faculty, it can actually help you in many other ways, like on spiritual trip and other things. Develop the faith yeah, and the joy through understanding. Yeah, your main question hasn't come yet. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, brother, I'd like to know, you know, uh, if um, uh, there are some, um, uh, uh, you know, disparity between uh, um, mind and body, you uh, know, if there are uh, some, you know, discomfort, you know, yeah. is it because, or, or, or unhappiness, you know, or in whatever, you know, uh, uh, that uh, arise, uh, so... It, is it because the 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 mental state is uh, not strong enough, or is because the body refused to okay, to, think, to cooperate? I think thank I, you. I understand your question. Huh? Uh, thank you for asking that, so that other people also can learn. You see, for your case, you have that doubt that uh, what they call uh, you are not so sure. You sometimes you see your mind having this type of mind state. But when you are mindful, aware, with that stability and sensitivity, you will know. Where the moment the body has this type of sign coming out, and when your mind wants to be negative about it, that wrong thought straight away, you are aware. And it can never arise and happen. Well, like I always say, we got two choices. The moment you react and stir, the evil roots are there, the wrong thoughts are there, you will be afflicted. That's why we ask ourselves, why are we not peaceful, not happy? It's because the evil roots are there. You have arisen the wrong thought. That is the best change. Whenever you are moody, unhappy, lack of peace, lack of tranquility, stillness, awareness, you are already caught in heedless thinking. With the wrong thought. Understand? So a lot of the things you describe are some of the words that I use which can help you if you understand. But if you don't really have the understanding, then it may not help you that much. Like you say, accord and flow. Understand? Yeah. Huh. All these are very beautiful words. To be able to accord and flow is to have wisdom. Otherwise you cannot accord and flow. Well, the mind is very reactive. It one thing is way. It doesn't like to follow other people's way. Whatever that is not suitable or not comfortable to you or not conducive for you, you will have the negative mind state to reject it. The aversion, the dislike. Yeah. Then sometimes you have problem. You will project your thought to arise the fear, the worry, the anxiety. Sometimes you hear something, bad news. Straight away it conditions you. Why? Because you lack wisdom, you lack mindfulness, you are not sensitive. 
When you have wisdom, when you are mindful, when you are sensitive, all this cannot arise. It's just like that day, I think, I remember at the Sunday class before our trip. One group of them went to India, remember? Follow Achana Chasho and huh, the pilgrimage. Then she came back. I think Sue, New Zealand Sue. She described this experience which is very good. He said, Virgil, when I was on this spiritual trip, I was so calm. I hardly had any thought. My faith was very strong. I said, good. But are you aware? If you are aware, it's completely different. Then later she admitted, you remember? She said, actually it's a conditioned mind. Yeah, but you are right. I condition myself before I go. I tell myself, this is a spiritual trip. This is the trip that I will be going to the four holy places of the Buddha. I must have faith. I must not talk. I must not allow my mind to run or favor. And through this condition state and the faith, where the faith was very strong, she felt very calm, but it's a conditioned mind, it's not a free mind, and she's not aware. That's why she is not sensitive. Then the second part, he asked me this question, then only the full picture came out. He said, but at the same time, Bertil, when I was at this, uh, I think the city there, not really the city, when he was together coming out, in India, you know, a lot of these beggars come up to you, uh, uh, harass you and want the money or the thing, uh, or, or ask you to give them food and all this. So he said uh, he cannot stand all this no, until she become angry. When you are very calm, very peaceful, full of faith, and yet you can be angry. What happened? But she was very good. He said she disliked that, cringe. But she cannot understand why she do that. And she cannot overcome that. Because that is a conditioned state. Following the Dhamma words. And was in a conditioned state. That's why when the beggar's condition is not around to harass her, she is maybe calm and peaceful. But that is not a free mind without the wisdom. With wisdom, that is the reality. Then you will know how to move. You need not react and stir your mind. But later on, she experienced very good thing. Towards the end of the trip, she realized one very important discovery. She said, Brother I can see during the trip, a lot of these people, devotee and all those things, they were craving for blessing, merits. You can see them. And they agreed for all this. Then one thing good about her is when she saw all this, you know what she did? Uh, she decided to listen to what I shared. Uh, reverse the light and look inside to see her own defilement. Because I always tell you all, it's easy to see others. Not easy to see yourself for mundane people. But for people who are mindful, aware, they will always see themselves first. 
then they will understand other. That's why I finally told her, I say, good, at least you understand that you have to reverse the light and maintain mindfulness and see your own. That is more important. You see others, no use. You may learn, but you don't see yourself. You will never learn the real thing. So I say the true Dhamma is the opposite of what you did. You're supposed to reverse the light through mindfulness and why not to see your own delusion. How it conditions your mind states to be negative with the evil root and how it stirs you and conditions you into affliction, misery, suffering. So all this I say, the moment you see, you understand, you awaken, then you can understand why people have fear. Why people project their thought to have all those suffering, misery, affliction. And why did they continuously create wrong thought? Because they think that it's a problem. They keep on holding on to it and worrying about it. I always say, no amount of worry, anxiety, sorrow and lamentation can solve your problem. You can only solve your problem through wisdom, through understanding. That's why when you see yourself, you understand. Then you can understand others. Then you can help others. Otherwise, not easy. Then always remember, the words are the words. You have to cultivate it until that understanding sinks in. Then you can leave it. When you can leave it, it's no more the words. It's no more I accord and flow. You will know how to accord and flow without words. Condition like that, things will be like that. Cannot be otherwise. Like the Buddha said, whatever that arises, there are causes and conditions behind. But this is the reality. Nature's law. Condition like that, things will be like that. When conditions cease to be, that phenomenon will cease to be. So all this through mindfulness, awareness, sati, you will be able to see them. Then you can awaken to them. You can insight into their universal characteristics. Okay? So this is how you should actually develop. Otherwise, that question will continue. Yeah. Because you, you, you saw some of these things happening, but you don't know why it happened. And you think that there are ways to overcome it. All these skillful means or ways are only temporary solution. They are not a wisdom cure. Your wisdom cure is permanent. It will root it out. Uh, it's just like those people with depression. They go and see psychiatrists, doctors and all those things. Then what do they do? Because they have the medical understanding. So they give you a tranquilizer pill or sleeping pill where you can't sleep. you got insomnia. The cocoon of thought, the that attachment, the thought projection leading to so much fear, worry, anxiety, sorrow and loss. Until this thing becomes so intense, create panic attack and all those things. So when they are in that state, the first thing the doctor will do is to give you tranquilizer, sleeping pill. Then sometimes they know your fear is due to chemical imbalance, especially the panic attack and all those things. So they will give you that drug that will balance your chemical imbalance so that it will not intensify your fear, so that you will be more calm more, but you feel groggy, sleepy, it knocks you off to sleep. 
But a lot of these <coughs> patients or people with uh, depression and other things, they told me this medication initially worked for a while, but it's like a drug. You need more and more. You become addicted to it, and the threshold keeps on rising. So when they do that, they realize that same medication given to them can't even allow them to have one hour of sleep or proper rest. That's why finally it's not a solution. Then they came to me. I just explained and talked to them. Then when they understand, a lot of them came out. Some 16 years, some 30 years, depression. Just walk out like that. And then the medication, they asked me, need to take or not? Say, you ask yourself, you need to take or not? And one of them is my wife's good friend, the teacher, retired, now 70 plus, 75 or 76. After the husband passed away, that was about 15 years ago, she went into depression for two intensive years. Then later on, I told my wife, if a condition, call her. Then I just talked to her, have lunch, have dinner, then just like that. We ex I explained the thing. Then she walked out of it, no. And she told me, well, no, she said, well, dear, no need to explain suffering. I went through it inside out for two years. That's why these people in depression, they can understand what I say, wrong thought, condition, their fear, worry, anxiety, so on. And that was how she came out. No? And I told her, it's only a thought. How come it has such power over you? And this thought is like a tool to serve you, for you to use. How come you allow it to make you so miserable? And that one wake her up straight away. And you know what happened? After that, she came back her life. She was full of gratitude. And now she is so happy. And I told her, it's only a thought. And your life. Why do you cling on to that wrong thought? You know, a lot of people cling on to the wrong thought. Right? They have problem with their daughter-in-law. Or they have problem with their children. Or they have problem with their neighbor. And they cling on to this wrong thought no? for so long. No? With the evil root there. That's why they got so much problem. Then one day yeah, she came and told me yeah, because of the problem with the daughter-in-law. She suddenly wake up now. Ah. I hold the key to my own life destiny. Why am I allowing this to torment me again? I just came out of depression and now I get angry at my daughter-in-law. Because the thought will project and blame. No? Why she don't respect me? Huh? All this given to her, she never appreciate. Do all this to me. The I, the me, the ego. And all this are hurting her. Then she realized all these are wrong thoughts. So last, uh, earlier on, I teach you right effort to abandon the wrong thought. Remember? And how to do it. The Buddha taught us five ways. And this is very important, the five ways. The Buddha said, first, think of the opposite direct wholesome thought. And this is thought-based. Temporary solution, not effective. Yeah. But at least it will help you. But every time you've got problem, you've got to run to one corner and do meta or think of the direct opposite also. it doesn't work <laughs> and if the first way doesn't work the Buddha said then do some reflection contemplation 
think of the consequence of holding on to that wrong thought, which is an evil root, root of all evil, make you evil. Your life, is that what you want? If you don't want, you better abandon it. You understand? Then you think of the consequence. This is an evil root, make you evil, make you miserable. Uh, but all these are still thought-based, skillful means, involved thinking. The third way is the best. He said, maintain silent, aware. Like the block cut analogy. He asked Ananda, I think, to collect water for him. So the pool of water, every time the block cut go over, stir, become muddy, the water cannot drink. Second time, also same. But the third time, at night, clear water. Then the Buddha asked Ananda, what did you learn? That pool of water is like your mind. Understand that? When you don't stir that mind, it is clear. You can see everything. There is clarity. But the moment you stir your mind, all the sediment, everything, the evil root, the defilement all come out. And what is stirring? Mental reaction to self-delusion. So what you should do is, the real meditation is just relax, aware, silent. Don't stir, don't react, don't allow your conditioned mind, your views and opinion, and don't even allow the thought to meditate inside there. Because that is the one that stir the mind, make you heedless. So what you should do is relax and just silent away. Be with that anger. Be with that emotion, that fear, worry, anxiety. See what happens. It will cease to be. But these are dependent, originating, condition arising mind state. Before you have fear, there was no fear. You understand? Before there was no anger. Later on, when you see something, hear something that doesn't conform, then you get angry. You project your thought, you develop the fear. So all these are not intrinsic within your true mind. They are dependent, originating mind state that arise due to wrong view, due to self-delusion. If they are dependent on anything, means they are conditioned arising, cause of phenomena. If I relax and silent, the original mind, which is the true mind in stillness, in tranquility, will arise. But this is the true mind before the stirring. That's why you have to experience that true mind, that silent mind, that meditative mind. When you can come into contact with that silence, that mind is actually positive, tranquility of mind, stillness of mind, the true nature. And that one can awaken, that one can understand. And that one is without thought. Without thought means no fear, no worry, no anxiety, no sorrow, no concept, no idea, nothing. It's just stillness, awareness, pure awareness, tranquility, that nature. But that nature cannot come out and live life. You have to understand. But that nature can allow you to develop wisdom and understanding. So the third way is to just be aware. That is what meditation is all about. Then everything will cease. Then you realize, if I don't do anything, the Dhamma is there. The moment I move, stir, the defilement will arise. Then it will condition based on dependent originating, but it's just more better. And you create all the suffering. Uh, 
gloves being clean, everything will arise. So this is how you develop that understanding. But this way is still not the ultimate wisdom. This is the initial wisdom you know that you can cease your suffering. But you don't have the wisdom to root it out. You understand? Every time you get angry or you project your thought and have fear, you have to go and meditate. Silent your mind. And this is already very good, but not a foolproof method. It is not the real ultimate solution. You cannot root out that ignorance, the evil. You can only bring about that cessation to realize your true mind. So the fourth way is what the Buddha taught under Satipatthana Sutta. He said, trace the origination factor. How did anger arise? How did fear arise? Before fear arise, before anger arise, there was no fear, no anger. Then you realize under the Satipatthana Sutta, the fourth foundation, Dhamma Nupasana. Mindfulness of the internal six sense bases and the external six sense bases. That's why when you are mindful and you are aware, you start to see. It's all through your sense though. Like anger. When you see something, hear something that you don't like, or you recall something that has fear, phobia and all those things, insecurity, then this mind state arises. So you know through the senses it arises. So the Buddha said retrospectively through this understanding, reverse it and seize it. Means, why did my mind stir? At the moment when I see something and hear something, I stir. Why? The inquiry is very important. Well, this is what the Buddha meant by the final summary of the first noble truth. In short, it is due to your self-delusion that condition you to grasp and cling onto this fine aggregate of form and mind that I call suffering. So the five aggregate is what? Namarupa. Mental aggregate. You cling to the perception. You cling to the views, the sankara activity. Then your mind stir. And the craving is conditioned. True? Initially it's pure feeling. But the moment there's avijja, it conditions craving. That's why all the links, you will see it very clearly. Then when it happens, you ask yourself, how can I reverse all this? Means I must straighten my view. And how do you straighten a view? Your view. What did the Buddha teach? We have to learn to see things as they are. See things as they are means what? See the truth. See the reality. That's why human beings is just the way they are. The world is the world. Condition like that, things will be like that. Deluded people will do deluded things. Angry people, emotional people will do angry things, emotional things. Selfish people will do selfish things. So if I can accept them for what they are, I will be at peace. Even they try to do all those funny things that normal human beings cannot accept. You understand? Well, your thought will straight away project who the hell he is. How can he do that to me? Who he think he is? This is how suffering comes to be. But when you can accept him for what he is, you have love. You have compassion. Because of delusion, he is what he is. 
You understand? Because of his anger, the evil root, he is the way he is. Then, through this reflection, contemplation, and this understanding, you start to reverse it. The next time when you are mindful of this, aware, this wisdom will arise. This is what the Buddha called Yoniso Manasikara. Wisdom at the moment of sense experience. Because you reflected, contemplated, first turning, second turning. From Suttamaya Panya, developed into Chintamaya uh, Panya. Then through the direct seeing, you awaken to the third type of wisdom called Bhavana Maya Panya. So this is how you straighten your view. Then it becomes right view. That will condition right thought. No more reaction. No more getting angry and emotional or fearful. And this is what the real Satipatthana is all about. That's why the Buddha under the Satipatthana Sutta, the fourth foundation, mindfulness of the five mental hindrances. You remember? He said, when the mental hindrance of sensual desire is there, what must you do? You have to be aware. When you are aware, that is the third way to meditate. Then what happens? When you're just aware, you don't do anything, it ceases, right? Then the Buddha said, you will come to understand how the arisen mental hindrance ceases to be. That is how you develop the meditation. By not doing anything, it ceases to be. Because it's dependent on your condition arising. So you start to have insight into phenomena. Then he said, after that, retrospectively reverse it to right view. Then when you can have that right view, then you start to see the next time when you see or hear that same phenomena, you no longer react. That's why you will come to know how in the future, this mental hindrance will never arise again. Then when you are mindful, the initial mental hindrance before it arrives, you will see and you will understand how it arrives. How the unreason mental hindrance come to be. Because of your wrong view, you stir your mind, you react your mind, your like and dislike. Your pleasant and your unpleasant sense experience. So this is what the real daily mindfulness meditation is all about. Not until you can go through all this and stabilize all this understanding through constant contemplation, reflection, and the meditative awakening through the silent mind. The wisdom can never arise. The wisdom can never stabilize. Okay? Uh, so this is the ultimate understanding. Okay? We still got five minutes. <laughs> While you all think, I have a dream. My throat is dry. <laughs> Never mind, if no more questions, then let it be. No need to think so hard. <laughs> but all these are recorded, huh? don't, don't worry. Yeah? So you go back, you slowly yeah? listen to it attentively. Huh. Better. The best is do transcript. That's why all my books are all transcript. I never write them. <laughs> Based on what I share, they transcript how. Uh, 
Yeah. One question for uh, Brother Jeff. You know, oh, okay. Up. Oh, good. I can rest. <laughs> Thank you, Jeff. How do you um, op, you know, uh, free yourself from all the, you know, um, enmity? Sometimes, you know, it, it's from the past lives, you know. So how do you do that? It may not be this life alone, right? So some people have uh, aversion to certain things and certain conditions. How do you, it's not only people, it's conditions as well. Thank you. I'm sure Brother Tiara already explained multiple ways of doing this. Um, but on a personal level. Oh, so do you want to use yeah, it yeah. for recording? Yeah, yeah. I understand. Sorry. So I th I'm sure Brother Tio has already answered this question in many ways tonight and, and in the past. Um, but you are asking me personally what I practice. And. Mm, I listened to your question a little bit with a smile on my face because if I, am, if I am conditioned from my past lives, then there is nothing I can do about it right now. I can observe it. I can accept it. I can relax. These are the things, that, these four things that Brother Tio has written at the top here. But these... Regardless, I've never heard of, uh, I heard once Brother oh. Teo's teachings. But for me, it's, first you need to be aware, you need to acknowledge what is happening. So you become aware, oh, I'm experiencing enmity or anger or something. Then you may realize also, oh, this is from a past life. At that moment, you can't change the past. You can't change the cause. All you can do is accept the, the effect that is arising in the present moment, the conditions of the present moment and the conditioning from the past. When you observe this with a very clear mind, there's, it, that is the disillusion of it as it is. Learning from that, the wisdom that arises through the observation, the insight that arises, means that next time, if it arises again, ah, and it probably will because we are conditioned from yeah, the past, when it arises again, you remember, ah, I've already seen this. I know what to do. At, at least the, the most simple thing you can do is just relax and observe and don't react. But the relaxing and observing means it's not easy, <laughs> but that's why we're training and we're practicing and this is daily life practice. This is not just something that's coming up in your sitting meditation, this is everyday life experience and that's the most important place to practice. So we're just living and learning and when you get that concept of I'm living and learning, then, then life is your meditation. And we even start to appreciate when these things arise. Annoying people or difficult problems or, you know, so many things, the prickly things that come up in life. So thank you for asking. <laughs> that means forgiving yourself 
I mean myself and also other other beings, right? So because the beings could be this life and past life. So yes. you know, if we don't forgive, then you are holding on. <laughs> so it it will create further uh, problem, isn't it? Definitely, if um, forgiveness may arise in this as well. It depends whether you have been taught forgiveness. If you have been taught forgiveness, that will be part of your conditioning and that will be part of how you are able to view that arising, the arising of that situation. So it depends what you've been taught. And if you've been taught to use forgiveness, then yes, you can reflect on yourself, forgive yourself. When you've forgiven yourself, it will be much easier then to forgive any others who may um, um, annoy you but they're not intentionally annoying you. That is their karma that's making them act in that way. And then you're reacting with your karma to what they're doing. And you can see that you are perpetuating your own bad karma by reacting to their bad karma. And so life perpetuates itself with bad karma. Once you realize this, you can say, oh, I understand now. I can see how I am reacting I don't need to react to this. That is their karma. This is my karma. And then you can become more peaceful, more stable. And then you can watch how karma unfolds naturally. This is the beautiful thing about this practice, yeah. is that really all we are doing is we are watching karma unfolding. Us being here tonight, you asking this question, me replying to you, is the unfolding of karma. In this case, it's good karma. Yeah. So we are you know, doing good things here together. We're, we're not uh, causing any bad karma, but by asking questions, by giving answers, by listening to the tamma, then we are creating good karma. So we don't only understand from bad karma and things that go wrong. That's a good way to learn but also when good karma arises, we are learning from that as well. Like your beautiful spiritual trip that you had, I'm sure you understood a lot of good karma from that. Yeah. Thank you again. Sadhu, sadhu, sadhu. Thank you so much, yeah. yeah. Uh, so about your question, huh? very good. Huh? At least it allowed Jeff to answer in a very good way. Yeah. Regarding your last question, maybe we add in a bit more eh, to resolve all this karmic repercussion. Like you say, due to past karma, it conditions you. Then the other side also has this karma. So how can you end all this? Real mm -hmm. karmic is about ending. How to resolve all this amicably? And I already taught you, it's in the chanting book. Asking for forgiveness, repentance. This is the Mahayana way. The Buddha also taught. But the Buddha taught Kayena Vachachatena. So that one asking for forgiveness from the enlightened being. But he never mentioned the, all the living beings, the unenlightened one. So, like we put in the chanting book, eh? you should make affirmation in front of the Triple gem. Whomsoever from the distant past until now, whether knowingly or unknowingly, that this nature of mine has caused them any coming negativity, suffering, misery, 
or misled. This nature of mind would like to sincerely ask for forgiveness. And this nature of mind would like to repent from now onward, not to repeat all this. We are following the advice of the Buddha to keep the precept, to avoid all evil, to cultivate the four right effort, to cultivate wholesomeness, then meditate, to purify the mind, to realize the truth, to free. If you don't do this, the karmic obstruction will always be there. And sometimes karmic obstruction can be very, very severe. If you don't break the karmic obstruction, nobody can help that person. And I have used this to help many people to come out of it. People whom you cannot even approach to talk to. The karmic are very strong, very powerful. So when you do this repentant, sometimes no need personally. The loved one on behalf also can do it. Then once the karmic obstruction is like temporarily watered down or temporarily resolved, then that person that has this karmic thing, the condition will arise for him to receive help. Otherwise, completely cannot. No way. It will obstruct all the way. Uh, they try everything, they told me. There were two or three cases, very severe ones. There was no way at all. They get all this problem, then they went and see psychiatry, doctor, monks, medium, everywhere. After 15 years, and now, one of the Kayamita told her, you better come and see Brother Tio. And it was resolved within, that one take longer, that one take eight months. But I said, you have to do yourself. I will not do for you. I will only share the understanding with you. First, ask for forgiveness. Then seek repentance. Not to repeat all this by following the advice of the Buddha. Through this, you break the karmic obstruction. You develop cultivation, merits, blessing, wholesomeness. Then do more and more good things like donation or whatever or help out in the uh, spiritual field or in the Buddhist community. Then after that, invoke power of merit. When you have enough merits, you invoke power of merit. May all this wholesomeness that you have cultivated and developed bring forth causes and conditions for you to have the merits to help whoever you want to help. So you can invoke, like if it's your daughter or your daughter-in-law or whoever, or your children, or your good friend, your neighbor, then you say, may arise a causes and condition for them to recover to good mind state so that they can gain back their life. These are the people who become so depressed and so afflicted, tormented, until you cannot talk to them. No way. And that lady who approached me, he scared the son will be written off. Well, the son was a PhD holder. And he wants to marry this type of girl that has a lot of problem on because he is a Christian. He believes he can help that girl. That girl, drug addict, raped before, go through a lot of suffering in life. Until the mother was so worried. He said, if I don't do something, I will lose my son. He can't even approach the son to talk to the son and 
come out for a decent lunch or dinner. Then she met me in Japan. Then she asked me whether I can help. I told her, I can help, but you have to do it yourself. And that was within three months. Everything clear. And finally, the daughter-in-law become normal human being again. No need the psychiatric, the drug or the thing or no more. Out. Didn't even talk to the daughter-in-law. She just read it, love meta. Ask for forgiveness on behalf. Then come to my class for eight years. Yeah, after that, she full of gratitude. He said, Brother Theo, this life, the greatest thing that I have done is to get to know you. <laughs> and after that, the daughter-in-law gave to four beautiful children. So, uh, so a lot of things is not what you think. Your nature's law is not easy to fathom. Karmic obstruction is very powerful. Yeah. It's in her chanting book. Uh, you can read through. Okay, we better end. Otherwise, too late for some of you. Huh? So we do the sharing of marriage, the transfer of marriage, then we end. Huh? Let us recall to mind huh, all of the wholesomeness that we have developed over the past two hours or so. Huh? Then we would like to delegate and share this merit with all beings, starting with the devas. Akasata Chabumata Devataga Mahindika Punyangtang Anamoditwa Chirang Rakantuloka Sasana Ita wata chamehi sampanan punya sampadan sabbe deva anumodantu sabba sampati sidiya idang menya tinang hotu sukita hontunya teyo idang menya tinang hotu sukita hontunya teyo Idang menya tina hotu sukita hontunya tayo devo asatu kalena sasa sampati hitocha fito bawa tulokocha raja bawa tudamiko inna punyang kamena mame bala samagamo Satang samagamo hotu yawa nivana patiya sadhu sadhu sadhu. Okay, pay respect to Triple Gem. Huh? Then we end. Thank you.
and Sister Kenny for yeah. making our night extra enlightening. Extra beautiful. I say Sadhu Sridhar. Sadhu, Sadhu, Sadhu. And Sadhu to everybody for being here tonight. And Sadhu for all the uh, offerings to the Triple Gem. Sadhu, Sadhu, Sadhu. And before we discuss and we request that uh, we take a group photograph. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, sadhu, sadhu, sadhu. Then I will give you something yeah, as a uh, what they call affinity. Yeah. This chanting book, yeah, you can have it. Yeah. This is what we bring. Mm -hmm. Then these are the three simple books that they did for me transcript. One of them is the Bangkok seminar. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Then the other two are the latest book. <laughs> yeah. Then you want to know more, go to the website. Uh, Bradtio.com. Uh, .com. <laughs> There's a lot of things there. Audio file, video file. Sadio. Yeah. So we really rejoice with your kindness to join us tonight. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah, yeah, we take a photo, group photo. So that there is this uh, condition for us to recall to mind huh? the beautiful sharing. Huh? Uh, so you are taking this direction or what? Uh, okay. Okay. Uh, then you all try to sit in front. Huh? Uh, okay. Oh, you want to stand behind? Okay. So we bring the chair in front. Put the two chairs. I sit beside. Yeah, bring the chair and the other chair for a sec.